0: One week into the Grapefruit League, and the Braves' bats seem ready to roll. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. From spring training, I'm Jay Black with AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano. I'm back in Atlanta. Justin's at cool Today Park in Northport, Florida, after the first week of Grapefruit League games have uh, wrapped up, and uh, for the most part for the Braves, uh, so far so good.
1: Yeah. We've spent the entire past couple weeks saying that you can't get a lot from spring training workouts, spring training games, because they do not matter. The regular season's different. Everybody's trying to work on something. But if you're a Braves fan, you have to like how the top bats have come out. Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Michael Harris, even Vaughn Grissom, Eddie Rosario in a spot. They look good, and there's a lot to be encouraged by early on here.
0: All right, coming up, we got a packed show, so a lot to dig into, including what happened over the weekend, Charlie Morton's spring debut, Ian Anderson's back on the mound. Plus, we've got a long look at the Braves' options in left field. And has Eddie Rosario finally returned to normal? Plus, we'll also hear from Marcelo Zunen if he's ready to bounce back. And we've got a clubhouse conversation with Austin Riley. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome aboard, and make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Braves Report is presented by Kroger and Try Boost Free for 30 days. Save up to $1,000 per year with two times the fuel points and free grocery delivery. Sign up at Kroger.com slash boost.
2: Ocean Breeze. Tropical beach. Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.
0: And so we mentioned how uh, in tune the Braves' starting lineup has been the first week of spring training. Here's the batting averages uh, for the regular starters. 429, 667, 364, 333. 400, 333, hundred, three thirty-three, three fifty-five, one
1: thirty-three. That'll play. I mean, to be fair, they haven't faced any great pitchers. Uh, the best of them being Sunday when they faced Carlos Rodon. Uh, the Yankees is a hundred sixty-two million dollar man. But even then, I asked Brian Snitker after the game if it was just nice to see them get on him a little, and he's like, "Well, it's spring training. He's working on things too. Probably just you know trying to get his fastball over. Some of that's humility from Snit. Doesn't want to build the guys up you know too much or you know blast Rodon or anything like that." But it's been encouraging. This is what you wanted to see if you were the Braves. Um, this offense is going to just have to give the pitching staff enough run support. The offense is going to score in bunches. And everybody looks, you know, most everybody looks like they are off to a hot start, especially Matt Olson, who it seems hits a two-run homer every time he's up.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> he's the 667 one. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Braves finally got to see Charlie Morton on the mound for the first time this spring. One hit, one run. Two and two thirds. How'd he look?
1: He was good. Um, and I thought, you know, they they had some, a couple hard hit balls off of him. Uh, the Yankees did. But Ronald Acuna ran down one in the gap. A good sign to see from him after a season in which he had to shake off the knee inflammation, the knee rust. Um, but Charlie looked good for the most part. That one hit was a solo home run, a two out home run on a 3-0 pitch, I believe it was. But this was a good, solid spring start, you know, for uh, for Charlie, who threw a live, uh, who threw a couple lives to get built up. But this was his spring debut, um, and he said after the game that a normal off season was important. And he kind of took us through why.
3: Like you said, it was normal. Yeah. Like I mean, the, the the big thing too is like why guys work their tails off and why guys stay in the game for a long time is because of what they do in the off season. Like for you to not do anything in the offseason and be able to keep pitching and stay somewhat healthy is like extremely hard to do. And those are the, like the guys that don't do anything, you kind of see it. If you look, if you look at like the data, even just pitch speeds, pitch speed data, you just see the decline and you see the injuries. So like when you get in the gym, like you have to, you have to get in the gym. Like when you get in the offseason, season, you have to get in the gym, and you have to build yourself back up because as the season progresses, you're, you're you're pitching, and you're not working out as much. Like you're not you're not building yourself up in season. Like there's no way to do it. I mean, I'm sure some a couple of freaks are doing it that are like just physically extremely gifted and recovering, but like most guys are breaking down in season.
1: And last year, obviously with the World Series, um, if you don't remember, he broke his fibula in that, had to have surgery, had to do tons of rehab, and even with the lockout, came into spring you know just a tad behind uh, but he was he was ready to go for the most part but he didn't have those months to build up he did this year and is able to little you know settle in a little bit more i think that's going to bode well for charlie um and look i understand a lot of fans want to talk about his age but he knows how to pitch he knows himself he's a strikeout guy um, curveball is going to be there fastball the zone's going to be there i like his chances for a bounce back year and i don't think a lot of people are talking a ton about him just because that fifth spot has been such a storyline in camp, as have you know the stories of the two aces, Max Freed and Spencer Strider.
0: Speaking of the fifth spot, Ian Anderson back out on the bump uh, for the first time really since you know, his first start was about as, lar- as alarming as you can get uh, for a spring training debut, and Ian Anderson strikes out five of the seven batters he retires in the second outing.
1: Yeah, and he did walk two, but hey, the one run that scored was unearned. He felt really good about this one. I mean, after he said, heck, he didn't even think that he had won an outing as good as this one all of last spring, um, which was a really rough spring for him that led into what became a very tough season. After his start, I thought it was interesting that he acknowledged that Mike Soroka's hamstring, Michael Soroka, I should say, his hamstring ailment, Almost represented a little bit, you know, he could see the job and he could kind of almost see the opportunity to take it and run with it.
3: I think I put some pressure on myself going into the last one. I saw the crack in the door, so to speak. But, yeah, no, this camp is super competitive. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And Why would you not want to be on this team? you got guys like Olsen and Riley doing what they do and Mike. And, you know, it's it's a fun team to be on. The competition's high. And, um, you know, if you take a false step, that could be it.
1: Isn't it always interesting, Jay, I mean, to see – or to hear, I should say, guys really acknowledge that we get so many canned quotes in this industry, um, and for good reason. Look, I totally get it. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a long season. We're asking a lot of the same questions. You know, there's something different does happen every day in baseball. Yes, but for the most part, the game is the game. Um, the storylines are the storylines. But isn't it? It's always interesting, isn't it, to to hear a guy like that. Almost, you know, acknowledge and admit that, yeah, he, he could feel the pressure. He could feel the crack in the door and really see it. Uh, and he could see that opportunity to take it and run with it. And the way he put it, saying that there are so many guys on this team, why wouldn't you be want to be a part of this team that looks like it's going to be a really, really good team and and acknowledging that one false step could really do you in? It, it's It's interesting because I feel like we don't hear that a lot.
0: We did finally uh, have a chance to also hear from Michael Soroka on Thursday about his status.
1: I feel ready to uh, kind of advance a little bit. I think we're
0: going
4: to get off the mound here in the next couple of days and go from there.
0: What have you been? Uh, what have you been doing in the meantime, just to try to get to the mound?
4: Uh, everything that I need to um, get here early, work with them, and uh, kind of get it to a, to a good place, and then uh, we'll get to
3: running and stuff like that. We've already kind of started that progression, and like I said, we're. Just trying to check the boxes.
0: And appears uh, he has checked the box of getting on the mound.
3: Yes. So Michael
1: Soroka did, over this weekend, did a short box bullpen session, which you, if you are a frequent listener of the Braves Report podcast, you will remember this in our official glossary of terms from a few <laughs> podcasts ago. <laughs> Kyle Wright explained to us what a short box was. Um, so that is when a pitcher gets off the mound, throws off the mound, but he's thrown to the catcher that's moved up a little bit. So he's moved closer to the mound. Um, so it's not not the full length for the pitcher uh, to throw to home plate. The catchers moved up. Michael Soroka did that. And Brian Snickers said Sunday that his next step is going to be a regular bull, bullpen session. But, Jay, I mean, this is worth a look at the bigger picture, I think, because I think there were about 30 questions in the Ask Justin tweet uh, about Michael Soroka. We will address it now. I, You know, we haven't heard official word from the team. Brian Snicker has almost taken the stance of just let me know when he's ready for games, which is understandable. But if you look at what in every situation is different, I'll preface with that. But if you look at Kyle Wright's progress and his throwing progression and the short box to the bullpen session, to the second bullpen session, now to the third bullpen session, it doesn't leave Michael Soroka a lot of time to ramp up before the season.
0: Now, we have spent a lot of time discussing the uh, the fifth spot in the rotation, but we do want to take a look today at also a long line of folks battling for playing time in left field and trying to find somebody to pair with Eddie Rosario. Now, this was not the expectation when Eddie was signed uh, after his NLCS MVP to a two-year deal, but his eye problems totally derailed last season. But he told you that he feels like he's finally coming around here.
5: I feel the same guy, but... uh... It's only a few more healthy working, I'm working I have a good se- good season and I play my game uh, last year is so so different uh, but I want to try to to be the same guy uh, I am before. And
0: baseball is you know much better when you can actually see what you want to hit.
5: I feel more comfortable I feel uh, more happy uh, it's more easy to to play the game. Uh,
1: and you can do everything what you want.
0: I mean, this game really can't be any fun when something like that is going on.
1: No. Brian Snickers said <laughs> Saturday that maybe of all the sports, this is the one you really need to see the ball. If you can't see, you're almost toast in this game. Uh, and that's what Eddie was telling me throughout the rest of that interview was just that everything changes when you can't see. Guys would throw him sliders and he would lose the ball. And I talked to hitting coach Kevin Seitzer about... Eddie, and he echoed a lot of the same sentiments. He looks so
6: much better, so much better, way better than at any point last year.
1: Does what is it? Is that like you can see in a swing, or you can see in, in a guy's he just, mannerisms? He
6: swing his swings better, but it's like he can see the ball. I mean, right. that's the difference, and that's what he's saying too. It's like I can finally see the ball. So, I mean, he's in a he's in a great place. I hope. You know, he goes off during the WBC, and that's going to be that's going to be good for him to get some right. high high pressure, intense situations. You know, games that that are a big deal, and you know, I hope he does well, and it'll be a good tune-up for him. And uh,
1: just as, as a coach, as a human, how how tough was that to see him go through that last oh, man, year? It you know, your like you heart. know, he's
3: struggling, he's I trying.
6: Mean, you know, we were, you know, we were trying to make adjustments with his swing and he's like, you know, I, I can't see. So it's like, I mean, what do you do? If you can't see, you can't hit. So, you know, mechanical adjustments didn't matter. But, you know, we could see it in the cage. We could see it in BP. It just wasn't the same Eddie from the year before. But this year, this spring, it's been awesome.
1: That was pretty revealing, not only with Eddie who told me that everything changes. He was fighting for everything. Fly balls, sliders. Any pitch, he was fighting for every single thing last year. But to hear his coach say it, um, hitting coach Kevin Seitzer, is really, you know, because it does break your heart. I mean, it's almost an exercise in empathy for all of us because he was really, really struggling. And once the news broke that, you know, he, he did need an eye procedure, had one. Then it all made sense. He was three for 44 to begin the season. He lost a couple fly balls in right field, including one in San Diego. I remember uh, this one in right field where it just kind of landed around him. He, he seemed to completely lose it at night um, in the lights. And it makes a lot of sense. And I can't imagine just the vulnerable feeling of being on a baseball field around thousands, you know, in front of thousands of fans and not being able to see um, and not being able to perform at your best. Um, but to hear sites say, you know, he, Eddie said, you know, I just can't see the ball. He's right. Mechanical adjustments aren't going to matter <laughs> if you can't see the ball. And I think for Eddie, um, Snicker has said a lot about how he just thinks he's a different guy this spring.
0: When did he regain full
1: vision? So he told me it was over the offseason. He regained full, clear vision 100%. Um, and so it seems like It was kind of slowly coming back and coming back and coming back. And he said that over the offseason, he regained full vision. He takes vitamins uh, for his eyes. He's done everything the doctors and the team have told him to do. Um, And it really sounds like I asked him, what led to this? Uh, What did he think happened? Was there an accident or something? And he said his eyes just progressively got worse and worse each year. He wore contact lenses in 2021. um, But each year, his eyes progressively got more and more weird is how he put it. Um, and just got worse. His eyesight worsened. Um, and so it sounded like over the offseason, pretty you know, recently, it, he, he gained clear, full vision. And it's going to be a really good thing for him because now he's going to be probably more like the Eddie Rosario we, we've known and have seen since he's been in Atlanta. Nobody expects him to regain the NLCS form. That would be superhuman for Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and all those guys even. But if he can hit a little bit um, and kind of hit his, do you know his fair share and have his fair share of production in left field, the Braves are going to be much better off considering how stacked their lineup already is, uh, and then the options that they have everywhere and the depth they possess.
0: Only hit 133 in the first uh, week of spring training, but do, can you see a difference despite the numbers?
1: Yeah, yeah, the bat to balls there a lot more. Um, I, I I do. I know he's had. I mean, to me. Earlier in the episode, I said Netty Rosario. Even when I was talking about the guys who are hitting well, I, he only has one hit, um, I believe, or two hits. But it almost feels like he's doing better than that. And like, granted, it's spring training. You don't intensely watch every single at bat. I'm also talking to starting pitchers when they're out. All this, you know, that uh, you're paying attention to a lot, but. For some reason, it feels like he's looked a little better than that. I just think it's like a little bit, to me, the bat-to-ball is is there a little more, um, and it looks like he's tracking it a lot better.
0: Now, of the the group that's trying to join Eddie in that left field rotation platoon looking for for opportunities, yeah, there's four guys there. It's Kevin Pilar, Sam Hilliard, Eli White, and uh, Jordan Luplo. Is it safe to say two of those guys are going to go north?
1: I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And it's it's been a great battle so far because all of those guys are playing well with the exception of Jordan Luplo who is out, you know, right now he's working back into the fold and taking swings, but he's out with some oblique soreness, uh, which was the same oblique injury he dealt with last year in Phoenix. Um, and so, you know, and he's a, a righty and he told me that for a righty to have right side oblique issues uh, is pretty weird, uh, just because of the way they swing. Um, and it usually happens on that left side. But I, I I would say so. I mean, I project, you know, two of them going forward if if you look at that, um, because another bench spot's gonna go to um whoever doesn't DH between Ozuna and Darno, and then another one I would think would go to whoever doesn't win the shortstop battle like Orlando Arcia. I think Eli White and Sam Hilliard are both really interesting and they provide a you know, they're toolsy, great athletes. Like Eli White was a stud in the minors. And I know that doesn't get you anywhere being a quad A player, but he just hasn't put it together in the majors yet. Like, I think he's working on some swing adjustments that we've mentioned on this podcast and on AJC.com. He hopes those help. So far, he's playing better. Sam Hilliard is a guy who you look at him and you're like, man, that guy's a major leaguer. He's a professional athlete. Um, He's big. He looks strong. Uh, He can run. He can really throw. And we'll see if there's, you know, some pop in that bat. He's really hit, you know, he's hit well through the first week of spring games. Kevin Pillar, though, is a guy that I think when you look back at Alex Anthopoulos' tenure here in Atlanta, they've always carried a guy like Kevin Pilar, right? Like Snicker loves those types of guys. They had, you know, Nick Markakis who was an everyday contributor back at the time. But they had, you know, even a Matt Joyce one year. They had, you know, they've had Tyler Flowers. Um, they've had a lot of these veteran guys who even if they don't Produce at the time on the field a ton. They're valuable pieces of the club. They provide versatility. They play good defense. Um, they can run the bases. You know, they're a positive influence in the clubhouse, maybe more so than anything. And Kevin Pillar seems like that type of guy that they would carry. And I almost wonder if, if he's got a pretty good shot to make it. And you look at he's going to make $3 million, or a prorated portion of that if he's in the majors. That'll be his salary. And you can take that two ways. Is it well? Is it you know going to be tough for him to make it because of that, or is that something where they put him on a minors deal and you know maybe said, hey, if you play well, you're you're probably going to be have a good put, you know shot of making the team. And so was that more of just you know a minors deal to give themselves that option? Um, who knows. But I think that he's a guy that I've been pretty high on making the team. That is just hard to project because then you have the other three, Luplo, White, and Hilliard, who are all great athletes, all can provide you with something. Um, and Hilliard's out of options. The other two have options. It's going to be a really interesting battle to the end.
0: All right, coming up, we dig into the Marcelo Ozuna situation, and it's our clubhouse conversation with Austin Riley. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger.
7: When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute.
2: An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. All
0: right, don't forget, if you are not a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, only listeners to this podcast uh, get access to our best offer that you can find right now uh, to join our community, subscribe, and to support our journalism Unlimited digital access to the AJC for the next six months for just 99 cents. So you get everything that's Justin's writing, everything from our columnists, of course, all of our other sports coverage, breaking news, investigations, food, dining. We got it all for you uh, for the next six months for just 99 cents. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. And if you want to catch up on uh, some of the stories we've been talking about in this show, uh, just head over to the show notes and see uh, what Justin's been writing about.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's tons of stuff. I mean, I think for the first at least 18 or 19 days I was here, it was two stories a day. We're trying to bring you guys as much, you know, information and as many stories as possible while still not diluting the content, still making them good. Um, So yeah, it's a bit of a balance there, but we want to be your top information source for Braves baseball. Um, And we want to cover the team the best. And we think we do a dang good job of that from the stories to the columns, to the podcast, um, to all the sound we get to bring you in this podcast. Um, So your subscriptions really, really help us out. Um, And that is the reason that we're in a house this spring. Uh, And you were here for two weeks. We've done a ton of podcasts. And I feel like we're growing at a pretty nice rate on this podcast. So we appreciate everybody's support. Spread the word. Tell your friends tell your enemies as Jay always says at the end yes. of the episode I'll steal that one out of your mouth right now <laughs> Um, but it's been really really nice to do this a little more regularly um and see it kind of unfold because when we talked about it last year we wanted to bring everybody the stories behind the score and kind of give everybody a look at the Braves that maybe you haven't seen before and make you the smartest fans around town so hopefully we're doing you know on their our way to doing that a little bit and thanks for supporting us we'll, we'll keep it coming though
0: Now, uh, before we get to our clubhouse conversation with uh, Austin Riley, you had a chance to spend a few minutes after BP the other day with Marcelo Zunid. We don't get to hear from Marcelo a whole lot, but uh, Snit has made it clear what's going to happen with him when this team goes north.
6: We're going to, like I told him, you know, I mean, Marcelo's going to be on our team. I mean, and just how much he plays is going
1: to determine how well he does.
0: Were you surprised to hear Snit just come flat out and say that and clear all that
1: up? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) I mean... Um. Uh, yeah, just because you don't ever, and I was curious because I projected him on the roster from from day one. But when you're riding, just to give people a look behind the curtain a little bit, when you're riding something, you kind of want to just get as close to the truth. So like, I I understood that. Hey, maybe there's a chance that I mean there are 37 million reasons why they wouldn't cut him. But I was like, maybe there's a chance he 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 doesn't go north. So I wanted to see if Snit would give us that assurance. Um to see what he had to say about that. So I think my question there was, hey, is, is Marcel a guy that you think with all your left field options is fighting for a roster spot or is he somebody that you know what he brings and you know who he is? And so that's, that's where he said that. And I think Snit, you know, probably smart PR wise just to clear it up now. So everybody, you know, expects him to be on the roster. Um, but I was a little surprised. I don't know what I was expecting with that question, I just wanted to ask it because I, I wanted to just give him a chance to, if he wanted to say anything, say it, because I knew I was writing something that day.
0: So where does Marcel think he is at this point in spring?
1: I feel okay. I don't feel 100%, but I, I promise,
5: I guarantee that he's going to be there for the season and then, and then made a really good season. Yeah. You said you don't feel
1: 100% with it. What are, um, what are you no, looking timing, to
5: do? Timing, timing. Most of the time it's the timing, and then most of the time it's like a – uh, you stop game and, and, and you come back to, to playing a game. is It's real hard, so so you have to just keep working on and, and then do your best. Is timing, is that
1: just more at-bats?
5: Yeah, more at-bats. More I get more at-bats, I'll be, I'll be fine. And I'll, I get my feeling back and then I can be continuing to do what I do.
0: But it has also been very noticeable that Ozuna has been on every road trip pretty much uh, so far this spring.
5: Yeah, I I, f- I feel like uh, like uh, I need to I need to I need to keep continuing and play and then and then see and then show the, the what I what I can do. So my point is, like, more I more I buy again, more better I him.
0: Sixteen million dollar guys generally don't travel in the first part of, of spring training, but what have you seen from Marcel so far?
1: Honestly, he looks like a guy who is getting his timing back. A lot of the other guys, at least he might have been, you know, obviously working out and might have been in Northport before we saw him, but I think we saw him on the day that position players were required to report. Um, And a lot of the position players around here were here early, like a week earlier to five days earlier, four days earlier, getting their bats, taking BP, all that stuff. So maybe they were a little ahead in terms of their timing at this point, are a little ahead. And to me, he just looks like a guy whose timing isn't down. Um, And I'm not, that's not me just bashing him for not being here earlier. Like he was here when he needed to report. That's just me saying that, Hey, maybe his timing is a little off. That's what it's looked like to me. I mean, it's still hit the ball hard. I mean, he he sliced one in port St. Lucy that went to the wall. I mean, it didn't look like he even got it that great. And it, it went to the wall, um, in right field, uh, the warning track rather. Um, but to me, it looks like a guy who, yeah, just isn't there yet. A hundred percent. Just doesn't have his timing down fully yet. Um, We'll see if that changes, but it has been intriguing to see that, for example, he was the only one who was remotely a regular that was on that overnight trip, Um, and I'm not going to make too much of that, but it's just, you know, they're giving him extra chances for at-bats and kind of getting him some more run in there and and trying to, you know, get him up to speed, I would would think, you know, is some of that. But, he, yeah, he just looks like a guy who, whose timing isn't there. We'll see if he turns it around, uh, because I also asked him in that interview if he can understand, you know, with his play and with the off-field situation of the last two years, why fans would be hesitant to accept him. Um, and he said he understood, but he can't focus on them, and he's only got to focus on himself. Do you feel like after the last couple of years that Marcelo was in and now is a better person than you were before uh, those
3: things? Uh, since,
1: since now, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm trying to
5: be better than, than, than I used to be was in the last two years. So my, my career was clean and, and and beautiful. So last two years I, I just start damage like a little part and so I'm be I am working on
1: that and, and don't do it anymore. Do you understand why some fans might be hesitant yeah, to I und-
5: it? I understand but the the only the only part is I had to be positive for the time. I know I don't have to do anything negative in my myself. So right. I just give me my best, if you like it you like and and, uh, i'll do my best what
0: do you expect from marcel this year
1: if i had the answers to every question i would be blasting this podcast out on my own national network (laughs) of that would that would surpass every single podcast ever no i joke and i kid but i think something tells me he can i just i don't have high expectations and I, I really feel bad saying that because I don't like to be down on a lot of these guys, but I do I do try to tell it like it is, and I just don't know. Um, I, the Braves wouldn't be surprised if he bounced back, and I've heard that. And I trust what they see, what they say, because they're obviously very successful, but we just haven't seen it. Now, I'll, I'll add this in there. If he hits 22 home runs and doesn't have the same bat to ball, but hits 22 home runs and is some, that's something you can't pull a guy off the street. That's going to hit 22 home runs. Like that is value in and of itself. And they just want to get something from him because they're paying him $37 million through the end of his contract, at least $37 million. So, but I, I just can't sit here and say that I expect this great season from him because I haven't seen anything yet. uh, That would tell me that. And we haven't seen him be that guy. He's got to prove it first. Because there are people who who believe he can be better than he's been, but he's given us no reason quite yet uh, to do so. And so not me being down on him, I just think that he's got to show us something. And on the other hand, I'll say it, and I'll say it again, and again, and again, 22 home runs, 20 plus home runs, even 18 bombs, like that's value right there. You can't get other bench guys who would do that. So that is something especially in the DH role. He won't have to be out there playing defense, even though he thinks his arm is you know, going to be better this year. Um, so just give them something. I think that's all they're looking for.
0: All right, now time for our clubhouse conversation. And uh, if Austin Riley does not hit uh, at least 18 home runs, something probably went really wrong. And you guys covered a lot of ground in your chat here at the outside of camp.
1: Yeah. No, it was a great conversation that started with, I was trying to catch up with Austin about um, just spring training how things were going. And I'm always really intrigued in his pursuit of consistency because that's every baseball player, what they try to do. And I wanted to know how he saw that. And then he ended up telling us he was using, you know, a mental skills coach this year um, and somebody who he was working with. And that was really intriguing. But I thought, I think it's always fun talking about hitting and, you know, the game with Austin Riley because he's a guy who just likes pure ball. All
0: right, here's Justin and Austin.
1: I'm wondering, this is an organization that's had, you know, like chipper guys yeah. like that. Guys kind of the, you know, the fans go to love that are pretty generational when you when you sign that deal. How big of visit Of than it lore, is it that, hey, if you play well, like you could be one of those guys that people, fans for this team, you know, they remember forever.
4: You know, I think, you know, you play for your legacy. You play for, you know, how, you know, you, the impact that you make on the field as well as off the field. Um, and just you know, carrying, carrying myself, you know, trying to play the game the right way, uh, you know, being a guy in the clubhouse that, you know, guys feel like they could come up to me and talk to me about about anything, um, and, and just like I said, be myself, and, and, and you know, I think that that comes, just you know, as as uh, you know, as a as a you know, like an icing on the cake type thing, you know, like I said, if I just you know play my game uh, the way I know I'm capable of playing it, carrying myself the way. You know, I, I do. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's something. Maybe it's not. Um, but no, it's, pre, it's pretty. It would, it would be pretty sweet. To you, what's playing the right way? Yeah, you know, um, I think you know. For me, it's just you know. You you see me play. Um, kind of just like you know, I'm not I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna play the game hard, more or less. You know, I'm not gonna be flashy. Not gonna you know do the the, the crazy woes and everything. I'm just not like I said. I'm gonna play the game hard. I'm um, we'll respect the game. And because uh, I'm, I'm a true believer that uh, there's baseball gods and they will humble you really quick, so I, I don't try to try not to, to 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 piss them off in any way
1: possible. You've gotten remarkably better on defense over the last couple of years. Can you take us kind of behind that? What what do people not see about the defensive work you're doing, and how does that happen? That development? Wash, um, you know, just the way he, you know,
4: he's you know, I tell everybody, it's like. The biggest thing we watch is just the attention to detail. And I think that's that's with anything. It's like if you focus on the little things and you, you, you stay on them, then that end result is going to be there. So, it's like that's, that's just what I've been working on. Um, it's not any one thing. It's everything. Just, you know, how can I improve a little bit each each and every year, each and every day, um, and, and just, you know, take those little bit of strides to, you know, hopefully, you know, be a, a, a defender that,
1: you know, guys like you know he he can hold his own the austin riley from last summer when you were kind of in mvp talks some people might say oh you were you were hot but then it stretches to one month to two months to three months is that just who you are who you were last summer can can you be that guy
4: oh yeah yeah no i'm 100 I believe i can i can be that guy and i think there's there's more in there i think you know um mags are hitting coach throughout some staff that you know i was you know topping something uh you know, as far as like the metrics last year, and I felt like I could have been way better, uh, just the way things ended, um, just, you know, there's, I feel like there's more there, um, just like as far as a consistent basis, and, and that's the name of the game, and that's what I'm gonna try to work on, so yeah, I definitely think there's,
1: that's that's who I am, and I think there's some, some more in there. I guess if you hadn't answered this question, you'd, you'd make even a lot more money than you will over the next 10 years, but how do, you, how do you be consistent? How do you achieve that consistency as a hitter? What's the most important part of that? You know, I think the, the mental side of the game
4: uh, and actually, you know, I'm, I'm working with a guy this year just like as far as like how to, how to manage the ebbs and flows of the game, how to, you know, manage a 162. Um, I think that's what the guards do. It's like they are so mentally strong um, and, and guys don't practice it. We practice our hitting, we practice our defensive, you know, we lift weights. But, you know, this game is so men- you know, mentally tough on you. It's like you need to practice the mental game. Um, and that's that's what I you know hopefully you know it's it's gonna it's gonna show um, so we'll see. Who are you working with? Uh, this guy named Johan with uh, Novus Globus. Okay. Uh, so yeah, my agency g- got it got it uh, got me to him, um, and I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, it's it's something that's new to me. Um, never never done it before. Uh, and I, like I said, it's, I've, I've worked with him for for a little bit now, and you know I'm definitely seeing some improvements just as far as like you know it's like how do you just the way you see things as like far as like all right you know maybe I'm you know bad couple games like okay wait what can I learn from this versus like beat myself up uh so it's it's good stuff is it like you call them on the phone every week or is it how uh zoom, like, calls. zoom calls zoom calls everything's zoom now it's all right like everything is zoom COVID, so. man. yeah right is it like
1: weekly uh three kind of three times a month three times a month yeah what um I guess, as much as you can share, what sort of things does he tell you? Like how do, how do mental skills coaches for professional athletes break it down? It's more or less of just like, like, the, the,
4: like what we're working on is just like how to rewire our brain to think in ways that are positive versus like, I'll give you an example. So it's like, you know, we talk about like, oh yeah, I'm, I, I, it's a grind, it's a grind. So it's like now we're, you know, like when you think about a grind, you think about like it being tough.
5: Yeah. It's, a, um, negative
4: it's a negative thought. So it's like now we're in the like now I'm like starting to like we're in the flow of things. So it's like now we're trying to like we're trying to train our, our brain to be positive, trying to be tough. So just a little bit about it. So, so it's like good stuff.
1: When you start that work you realize how many things you see negatively. That yeah, you never notice. Right, right. It's it's been eye opening, so it's it's good. What about swing changes? Did you do anything with that? This I know I know you were in Miami or in Phoenix last year. You said Mags had you more like square to second base, kind of like the middle of the field.
4: So that was just more of like a in season adjustment the biggest thing that I've you know from last year to this year um was more of like that front elbow it's like it, last year it, it got it kind of like arm barred out a little bit Ronnie does it really well like some of the like good ones do it uh, and that's what's crazy about this swing it's just like everyone's different it's like Ronald can do it Dansby does it a little bit and it does it well but when I'm doing it it's, it's not it doesn't it did not work for me like if you look at aeronautics swing it's like that elbow's bent Staying through the zone—that's when I'm when I'm doing that. I'm I'm at my best, and that's that's what I've been working on this oh, season. Trying to keep it in. So it's oh no like, no not just like more or less bent yeah, like dead. through the zone versus oh, like so getting dead.
3: getting oh, okay yeah. like arm bar kind of where you get you get yeah. out and then you don't kind of it's really like a, you know, it's not.
4: For me, it's not. I don't have the adjustability in my swing, so that's what that's, that's the main thing I've
1: been working on. So, mental skills coaches are becoming more prominent, but sports have always been sort of a macho, I guess, thing. How how good can it be for athletes to embrace that sort of thing and get get a little extra edge? I guess that way.
4: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's like I said earlier. It's like the mental game of baseball of any sports is so like it's, there's so much to it. Like, it's, you know, it's way more than being physical and and just gifted. It's like the mental side of a 162 is tough. It's like, why not practice it? Why not? And that's something, like I said, it's something I'm I'm learning. Um, And, and, you know, yeah. some guys are like, oh, he's got a mental coach. He's like, oh, that's you know, something wrong with him. No, it's just like I said, I'm trying to sharpen, sharpen the mind so I can be a better player, help my teammates, um, you know, win, win more ball games. That's essentially what it's trying to do. I'm just trying to be a better version of myself.
0: That's what I love about these. I, I just love hearing these guys to the granular detail breakdown hitting at the highest level of the sport.
1: I, I couldn't have told you the elbow thing that he said in that conversation about bending the elbow and the great ones do it. And and you can, when he said that, like you can see Ronald Acuna Jr. in your head, bending his elbow as he sw- as he goes through the zone. Like he does that really well. Dansby does a little bit too. Um, like Austin said, and, and you can see it, but yeah, I, I love learning from these guys. I mean, that's the most fun part of this job is I didn't play at a high level. That's why I'm covering the game. Um, but to get to learn from these guys and to know what they're looking for and what they're trying to implement. It's fascinating. One, but two, I don't envy them because that that sort of thing, the repeatability on what they have to do day in, day out in this game is really, really difficult. Um and they deserve all the money and all the accolades they earn. Uh, because this is a really, really difficult game. But man, I yeah, I love learning from these guys. I, you know, we had Kyle Wright on last week, Austin Riley this week. Um, we've had other guys on. And you always there's always one nugget you look to learn. And I think that's you know, that's what life is, you know, a lifelong learner.
0: All right, time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans questions on Twitter at
1: Justin C. Toscano.
0: All right, first up, John Seeley, getting right to the point. Who breaks camp as the fifth starter in the final bench piece?
1: Uh, man. I'm gonna go with Ian and then Sam Hilliard.
0: From Anthony Giampolo. has anyone hurt their chances to make the club this spring so far?
1: You know, I don't think so. I mean, other than Michael Soroka, but that wasn't really, like, I feel bad being super down on a guy because he he got injured. Like, that wasn't his fault as far as we know, you know. And so, but I mean, he's, he hurt his chances with that, but it wasn't something self-inflicted. But otherwise, I don't think anybody has hurt their chances.
0: All right, uh, next up from Rich Culberson.
1: Uh Will Kyle Wright be ready to pitch in a game this week? You know, that's a good question. I think he would have one live before getting in a game, and I think that live would be this week. I'll have to catch up with him, so we'll have the answer on the next podcast. But I think he would need one live after that third bullpen session that I assume he threw. I think he would need one live, so it might be next week, especially with the off day.
0: All right from E Goldie. What has impressed you the most about Dylan Dodd?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Uh just like the feel to be able to come in. And, you know, I think he had one kind of pressure situation jam in Port St. Lucie and got out of it. Um, he hasn't really crumbled quite yet. He's only had a couple, you know, a couple outings, but you can certainly feel like Snit says, command for the strike zone. He attacks. Um, and that's really what you need. And you want makes you wonder if one of those prospects could be a dark horse for that fifth spot eventually.
0: Second on the team in strikeouts in his two outings with uh, seven and four and a third innings.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that'll do. I think they'll like that. Dylan Dodd could very well be the – I'm not going to put any expectations on him, but he very well could be the next impressive prospect to come out.
0: And finally, from Lynn Neal Makudu, do you think pitchers will be choosing to take the called ball penalty if they run out of time rather than throwing a potential meatball?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. I think pitchers are talking about that exact same thing this spring. I think so because, I mean, I guess if you had the wherewithal to, wouldn't you rather do that? I mean, I guess there might be a counterpoint, but just thinking about it, and I've never pitched at a high level, obviously, but a 2-1 count is worse than a 1-1 count if you're a pitcher, but at least you can get ready for you know that 2-1 pitch and really throw something good rather than just firing something over the plate. So I I think that could become a thing as guys get used to the pitch clock, but I don't know if you would have the wherewithal to just take a ball in the moment. I think everybody's brains are probably just synced up as human beings to try to beat the clock, and I, I wonder I wonder if that will become a thing as everybody adjusts. All
0: right, now time for winners of the week, and you'll lead it off.
1: My winner of the week is Matt Olson. Um, if you are in the Braves executive offices, uh, you're thanking, you know, the Lord for these hurricane proof, you know, probably bulletproof windows because Matt Olson, he keeps launching them, man. Uh, and one of these days it's going to hit right off of there, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's had an incredible start to the spring. Um, it must feel nice to go two for two with a home run and an RBI single, and then just, just head home and enjoy your Sunday and, and your Monday off day.
0: I've got Von Grissom. Uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the to the the questioner's uh, point about does anybody hurt themselves uh, too much in spring training yet? Uh, we hadn't talked about Von Grissom in this episode, which means he's hitting and making the plays he's supposed to make.
1: Yeah, Alex Anthopoulos told us on this podcast, Jay, a couple weeks ago that they want solid, playable defense, and then you look at the bat upside from there. Uh, and Von Grissom has done exactly what he's supposed to. This is probably exactly what they hope to see from him.
0: If you uh, missed it, we had a pretty uh, pretty stout uh, spring training spectacular the last couple of weeks, so go back and catch up on this feed. We talked to Chipper Jones, we talked to Kyle Wright, we talked to Alex Anthopoulos for a half an hour, so a lot of baseball talk if you missed it. Uh, head on back, but we will be back uh, with you next Monday because uh, Justin's uh, taking a few uh, well-earned days off to go watch the start of the World Baseball Classic.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun, man. I, I Something tells me that I'm going to be off and Gabe Burns, the esteemed former Braves beat writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, who still covers a lot of Braves and covers a lot of other things. Gabe is awesome. He will be here. He will have you covered. I just have a feeling that I'll end up still watching baseball, still following it, and that's that's uh, such is the life we chose, right?
0: And Gabe's going to get to see the big uh, exhibition games between uh, the Braves and uh, the DR and uh, Puerto Rico.
1: I had to throw Gabe a bone because I think he's also got to go to Clearwater and and somewhere, Tampa, somewhere, somewhere else. <laughs> um, so I had to I'm a nice colleague. I had to throw Gabe a bone, Gabe. If you're listening to this, uh, you know you're you're welcome. Just tell me how it was. Well, that's uh, where we will leave
0: it here. If uh, something pops, we'll be back on uh, in the middle of the week. But uh, otherwise, we will see you again uh, every Monday. So uh, please help us out: rate, review, follow, and share the show. And definitely, you know, leave your comments on Apple in the comments section. That's what really helps us grow, helps us get more attention. And we will see you again next Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.